How's everybody doing? You guys are doing well. Um, as you guys heard, my name is Isaiah. I'm super excited to be here um, with you guys. I really am. Uh, a little bit about myself, um, whether you want to hear it or not, I'm going to tell about myself. Um, I'm 25 years old. Uh, I've been married now for two and a half years. And uh, my beautiful wife was not able to make it today. She actually works here on staff. She works with our little people over here with our clubhouse. And so they had an event at the same time and wasn't able to make it. So I know she loves me. At least that's what I'm telling myself so I don't cry in front of you. Um, but no, she wasn't able to make it. But been married now for two and a half years. And we're expecting our first child in August. And so, yes, super excited for that. We find out this Friday what the gender is. And so I'm, we're thinking it's a boy. And I say that because I'm claiming it. All right, I'm shaking. No, we're thinking it's a boy. The family's thinking it's a boy. She's had a few dreams that it might be a girl. I still think it's a boy. Um, so we'll find out this Friday. Super pumped. Got a lot of cool things coming up. Uh, I've been on staff here for a while. Um, I actually work in our kids' ministry. Been working in our kids' ministry for six years now, our zone ministry, first through fifth graders. It's been lots and lots of fun. And currently in the middle of a transition, so I'm getting ready to step out of kids' ministry and into youth ministry. And I'm going to actually be stepping into our campus over at Lando Lakes. And so that's where I'm heading over. Yes. Man, so super pumped. So I'm going to be heading in that direction when that campus opens. That's where I'll be. Now, that is a drive for most of you. But if God ever calls you to Lando Lakes for some odd reason, um, you at least have a familiar face that you've seen one time. So either way, that's where I will be. And my favorite color is blue. Anyone else? Blue? Anyone else out there? Thank you so much. I'll only talk to you guys. Um, hey, well, thank you guys. Um, I'm super pumped. I hope you guys had a great Monday, a great last week. Did anyone have a good Tuesday? How, Tuesday's gone well so far. I've got a head nod. It's like, ah, I'm just, I'd rather get out of here quickly. Um, so uh, we are in week two of our Love That Neighbor. If you weren't here last week, we talked about pride and humility. And today we're going to be talking about what does it mean to press past anger and unforgiveness. Look at your neighbor and say, buckle up. Thank you for doing that. Has anyone in this room, has anyone in this room ever been angry before? Thank you for your honesty. Has anyone in this room recently gotten over being angry? Is there anyone angry right now? Thank you for your honesty. I know not to make eye contact throughout the rest of this message. Uh, the truth is, is that this world and the people that we live with, the people that are in our lives, give us many opportunities to be offended over something. Uh, whether it's something that someone says, uh, something that someone does to us, um, perhaps they just don't like something that we like, uh, whatever the occasion may be, there are opportunities in our lives where we become offended by something that is done towards us. And so I began to think to myself, man, who are people in the Bible who had opportunities in front of them uh, to be offended, uh, to gain emotions of anger and perhaps revenge um, and a little bit of bitterness, uh, but instead chose to go in an, another direction. And instead of choosing anger, they chose maybe uh, patience, uh, love, peace. And so I thought of someone by the name of Paul. And so I want to start things off with uh, 2 Timothy 4, 16 through 17. And it says this, it says, The first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. I 
want to stop there just for a moment. Um, like I told you, the name of the person who wrote this is Paul. And if you could just imagine this for a moment, Paul has devoted his life to um, minister to the people, okay? And he's laid down his life day in and day out just for the people that he comes in contact with. And then this day comes where he's placed on trial for all the good things that he's done and not one person shows up to be alongside of him. Not one person shows up to say, hey, I stand for that person. Not one person. Every person he's dedicated his life to is nowhere to be found. Now, I'm sure we've all been in that situation in our lives where we have given of ourselves, uh, we have dedicated our lives to someone, we've even maybe put maybe uh, priorities of our own on the back burner because we felt like someone else needed maybe a little bit of time. We've even sacrificed anything from our time to even maybe financially sacrifice for these people and gave of our love and ministered to them. But when the tables turn and it was our turn to receive the love and receive someone to minister to, uh, that person was nowhere to be found. And usually in these moments, these emotions of bitterness, these emotions of, oh man, I want them to feel what I'm feeling, these emotions of anger arise and it's easy for us to react. For Paul, he had a little bit of a different response. Paul knew something in this moment. He knew that if I was to get mad at the people who didn't even show up, I'm not hurting them. As a matter of fact, if I chose to get upset, I'm only hurting myself. And so I read this again. It says, the first time I was brought before the judge, no one came with me. Everyone abandoned me. He goes on to say, may it not be counted against them. But the Lord stood with me and gave me strength so that I might preach the good news in its entirety for all the Gentiles to hear. And he rescued me from certain death. <clears throat> you know, Paul had something to do. Uh, God had called Paul uh, to a very, very important mission. See, you have a mission. Uh, I have a mission. Our missions may not be the same, uh, but there is something that God has specifically called us to do in our lives, a plan for us. And you see, Above all else, we are called to grow as believers each and every day so that we could be a light in a dark place for others. But we cannot do that if our spirits are full of anything from offense, bitterness, anger, and revenge. When we are full of these things, we cannot grow spiritually. As a matter of fact, we begin to stumble over these moments in our lives, these emotions in our lives, and we stop making progress. And when we stop making progress, the enemy begins to win. Ephesians 4, 26 through 27, it says, And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry. For anger gives a foothold to the devil. Uh, that beginning part of the verse where it says, Don't sin by letting anger control you. What this verse is saying is, Anger on its own is not a sin. Anger is an emotion that God gives to us. Our emotions, how we feel, that is God-given. There's nothing wrong with that. But the things that we do with those emotions, how we react to certain people in certain situations can usually cause us to sin and to stumble and to perhaps do things that we might regret. So what it's saying is, is don't sin by letting anger control you. And so you might be thinking, so uh, where, where is God leading us? We, it's hard for us to be a light for others uh, when perhaps our hearts 
are hardened by what that person said on Twitter two weeks ago. Our hearts are hardened by the way that our friends left left us hanging. Our hearts are hardened by what our boss has said and the way that they treat us each and every day. Our hearts are hardened by the choices that our parents made years ago. What God is asking us to do is to give the world something they've never seen before. The world has seen it. They know what it's like to get angry. They've seen tempers. They've seen what it looks like to seek revenge and feel like that person deserves to feel that way because I feel this way. They've seen that before. They're used to that. And what God is asking us to do is to respond and give them something they perhaps have never experienced before in their lives. And because I believe this, I believe if we choose to respond to these circumstances in a manner that is unnatural, it displays the supernatural. If our goal as believers is to be a reflection of Christ to all we come in contact with, then we have to show characteristics of who Christ is. Because here's the reason why. They're, they're watching us. I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, they're challenging you in everything that you do. They know what you're doing, the music you're listening to, uh, who you follow. And so the world, although they may not tell you, they want to see, hey, how are you going to respond to this? So when you respond in a way that's, oh, or it's, you just throw a temper. Things happen. They look at you and they go, oh, I expected that. There they go, throwing their temper again. There they go, getting angry, saying those words. There they go. God is saying, what if you chose to respond in the way that maybe they've never seen? I think of it um, like this. Just picture this for a moment. Let's just say that I work for like an electricity company, okay? And uh, let's say the company that I work for is top of the line, like five-star rating. All right, people know when you have an issue in your home, when it comes to electrician, like this is the company you call. So let's say one day you have an issue in your home and you call my company and uh, you tell them I've got this problem and this problem, this issue and this issue. And so uh, they send me over to your house. I show up there and you begin to show me all the areas of your home that need to be worked on and looked at. And then you look at me and you go, oh, oh, by the way, I've got a few errands to run. So uh, I'm going to step out. When you're done here, just don't forget to lock the door and uh, I'll see you later on. For some of you, you might be thinking, who the heck does that? Why would you do that in the first place? People do that. I'm, it's weird, I know. But that's not the point. The point is this. You leave, and instead of me beginning to do the things that you asked me to do and the things you told me I should be working on, I instead look around and I put down my tools. I kick off my shoes. I plop on a couch. Pick up the remote. Start flipping through the channels. Turn on my favorite TV show. I've got popcorn popping in the microwave. I've got a bath going in the bathroom. I've got on your robe at this point. (laughs) The point is this. The point is, is I chose to do what I wanted to do. You told me what needed to get done. You explained the things that I needed to take care of. But instead of taking care of those things, I chose to do what I wanted to do. The truth is, is I am not fulfilling what you originally called me to do. And on top of that, I'm not just the one getting a bad rep, but now the company that I work for is getting a bad rep. When we choose to respond the way that we feel like we need to respond, when we choose to respond the way that we feel we deserve to respond, 
then the body of Christ is not being represented the right way. So when we say, I deserve to treat them that way, I deserve to feel this way, then we're just giving the world what they've already seen before. But what if we did the opposite? What if we gave them something they haven't seen before? We have to choose each day to press past these feelings and emotions and choose something else. What is that something else? Well, we find it in Luke chapter 6, verse 35. It says this. It says love. Everyone say love. It says love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward in heaven will be very great. And you will truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You see, God is asking us to choose love over anger, love over revenge, love over bitterness. Why? Because when we choose love, we find forgiveness. And where there is forgiveness, there is freedom. My wife asked me a question yesterday. This is literally, she's like, oh, so I heard you're talking about forgiveness. I have a question. I'm like, oh, great timing, babe. And so she asked me a question of, is it, is it possible to forgive but still feel hurt? Like still feel like those emotions? Like can I still forgive someone but still have the emotions afterwards? And so I, I, I answer that question. And what I'm about to say right now, I want you to understand, this is something that is from my heart. This is from me and my time with God and my time getting his word. And so if what I'm, how I'm about to say this, if you're like, I don't know if I agree with that, I encourage you, please find someone, find a leader, talk to Pastor Hal, talk to your small group. You know, it, this is me and my heart and how I felt this should be answered. So uh, just think about this for a moment. When I think of forgiveness, I think of letting go. Well, to forgive means to let go of something, okay? And so let's just say for a moment, let's say, what's your name? Say your name. Clayton. Clayton? All right, Clayton, you did me dirty. All right, Clayton, you looked at me wrong. All right? And so let's just say you're doing it right now. Just stop. All right? So let's just say Clayton, from the moment I walked in here, Clayton's just giving me this look. All right? He didn't make eye contact with me. I went to go shake his hand. And he put his hand down. Okay? Like, just like this guy. And walked right by me. Okay? So let's say Clayton did me wrong. And so, but let's say I come to a moment. The moment that he did that to me, I'm now gaining emotions. Okay? I'm feeling a certain way. I've got, I've got a little bit of bitterness. I'm, I'm actually a little bit hurt. Okay, but as well as that, I'm a little bit angry. And so let's say that the moment comes that I choose to forgive him. So now, not only when I forgive you, am I letting go of the situation, but I'm also letting go of the emotions that came along with it. So everything that I was tied down with, if I say, okay, I choose to forgive you and walk away, there shouldn't be a reason why I'm still like, oh man, that Clayton guy. Instead, it should be, man, I forgive you, I walk away, and I can continue on with what God originally had called me to do. And so when we can choose to forgive someone, there shouldn't be emotions left over. When I choose to forgive, and that's why forgiveness is not someone does you dirty, I forgive you, you walk away. It takes time. It's usually something you have to work on. And so if I choose to forgive you, it's because I took time to pray. I took time to really seek that forgiveness and say, okay, you know what? I'm ready to forgive that person. So that when I do forgive that person, everything that came along with it, I'm letting go of that. So that was, that's just my heart. Again, if you feel a certain way about that, please 
find someone, you have time, community after service with small groups, see how everyone else feels about that. But that's my heart towards that. But what does this forgiveness look like? The forgiveness that God is asking us to do, it means we have to choose to forgive even when it's inconvenient, which means we have to get past our agenda. What do I mean by that? Some of us have an agenda when it comes to being angry with somebody. I can remember being younger and being angry at my mom or dad, you know, my parents when I was younger. And I remember thinking to my head, man, I'm going to, I had a list of things that I was going to do to make them feel like, let them know that I was angry with them. Like I was going to get home. I wasn't going to make eye contact. I was going inside my room. I was going to eat dinner, still not make eye contact, go back into my room. And then I had a whole agenda, a whole thing, a list of things that I was going to do before I felt like I was ready to forgive that person. So what God is saying is that we got to choose to forgive and get past that agenda. Don't say, oh, that person did that. Oh, I've got a list of things I'm going to do before they feel it. We've got to get past that. God is saying, listen, we've got to choose to forgive even when it's inconvenient sometimes. We've got to choose to forgive multiple times. It's not, hey, forgive that person one time. And then when they do it again, I've done all I could. God, do your worst. It's, no, I've got to forgive that person multiple times. There's a moment in the book of Matthew where Peter comes to Jesus and says, hey, how many times should I forgive my enemy? Seven times? He says, no. As a matter of fact, we should forgive 70 times seven. So we got to choose to forgive multiple times. And the last one, it's my favorite. You guys might not like this one. We've got to choose to forgive the unforgivable. Look back at the verse. It says, uh, it says, love your enemies. Love your enemies. Raise your hand if you have someone in your life who gets on your nerves, who just knows just how to push your buttons. It's the one person in your life that lights up a room when they leave it. (laughs) That person. That person who knows just what to say, how to say it, when to say it. God is saying we have to choose to forgive even that person. We have to choose to forgive the unforgivable. Why? Because he first forgave us. Ephesians 4, 32. Instead, be kind to each other, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. Guys, I'm not expecting, nor even when I was writing this message, I never expected to get done and think, all right, at this point, you guys should be really good at forgiving. And uh, I never would have expected you guys to get up out of here, leave the doors and call every person who's ever wronged you and say, I forgive you, I forgive you, I forgive you. I don't expect that. I, I really don't. Like I said before, forgiveness is something that we work on. I believe over time, it's something that we become stronger in. It's something that we become better in until eventually it's something that we, it's second nature. And now you're helping others find freedom in forgiveness. But even with that being said, maybe there's some of us in this room where just the thought of forgiveness is just hard to comprehend. The thought of forgiveness is maybe there's just a few things holding you back. The thought of forgiveness is just a few things that maybe you think to yourself, oh, it sounds great. It makes sense. But I just don't know if I could do it. I don't know why, but there's something inside of me that just stops me from easily forgiving those who do wrong to me. I thought of it 
like this. Um, have you guys ever been to a Goodwill or Salvation Army? I found out someone actually works at a Salvation Army, which is great. But you guys have ever been to a Salvation Army or Goodwill, correct? Raise your hand, do you, whatever you want to do. Thank you for nodding. Um, either way, we know what that Salvation Army is. If you have not, you should get out more. Uh, you go to a Salvation Army. Normally, the items that you purchase there are items that someone had previously owned. It's items that someone had used for at one moment and no longer had a use for them and now wants to give them away. So you either go to purchase things or donate items that you previously owned and no longer have a use for in hopes that someone else can use it. Done explaining. Uh, let's say that you show up at a Salvation Army with a box, okay? And you've got this big old box and you show up and you uh, put the box on the counter and you look at the employee and you go, hey, these are... These are all my valuables. Uh, man, psh, been through a lot with them. I've, uh, gosh, you know, I, I no longer have a use for them. I just wanted to give it to someone else who most likely can use them and, and benefit them with them more than I could. So here you go. Here are my items. Here's my values. All yours, all right? Okay, push it over, and you hit them with a thumbs up and a smile, all right? Now, if that person hasn't already, that employee is most likely already looking at you like you're crazy. And now, to make matters even worse, they lean over the counter and look into the box, only to find out that the box is completely empty. What point am I getting at? The point that I'm getting at is that we cannot give what we do not have. We cannot give what we think we do not have. It's hard for us to give forgiveness if we have yet to accept the forgiveness that has been offered to us. It's hard for me to forgive Clayton if I have yet to forgive myself. How can I give forgiveness if I have yet to experience it for me? And the cool part about this is that, you know, forgiveness is not something that is hard to find. God offers it to it every single day. It's not down the hall to the left, make another right, make another left. It's down this hall. It's right in front of us. He gives it to us. Every day, it's through his son, Jesus Christ. But for some, because I know I've been through this, for some, maybe it's hard to accept the fact that it's maybe just that easy. You mean all I have to do is confess with my mouth and believe in my heart that Jesus died for me and rose again for my sins and I'm forgiven? <sighs> That's just, it just sounds too easy. And, oh, for some of us, maybe it's hard to forgive ourselves. Man, I would love to do the whole forgiving of myself thing, but you just don't know what I've done, what I've been through, the things I've said, what I've been a part of. I would love to. It sounds amazing, really. But you just don't know. I don't know, but he does. And yet he still chose to forgive you. I choose to forgive at my best because he chose to forgive me at my worst. So what does that look like for us? How can we find freedom? Because that is ultimately our goal. God has this incredible plan, this incredible mission set before us. And some of us have stopped. We've stopped our progress. Why? Because we're held back by something that's way back there. We're held back by something we're still holding on to. And that's our emotions, that bitterness, that anger, that desire to seek revenge for something that someone has done. 
And God is saying, I want you to find freedom in forgiveness. And if you can't forgive them, well, at least accept the forgiveness that I've given to you. And when you do that, I promise you that it's going to be easier to look back and go, wow, I don't know why I was holding on to that for so long. I don't know why I was tied down to those emotions for so long. God, thank you for the forgiveness you've given to me. I'm going to go back and I think I need to go ahead and forgive those that have done the same to myself. I think I'm going to go back and even forgive me. So what does that look like for you? How can you find freedom and forgiveness? Let's pray together. God, we thank you so much for tonight. I thank you so much, Holy Spirit, for speaking through me. I pray right now that, Lord, um, man, you just speak to every heart in this room of what it means to find forgiveness and freedom, that we can press past these emotions of anger and bitterness and revenge and uh, unforgiveness, Father. And we just pray right now that we have opportunities in our week and our day and even in our time of small group to seek this forgiveness, God, to get, find this forgiveness that you give to us. Lord, we thank you so much. We thank you for your son dying on the cross for our sins. And I pray right now throughout this week that, Lord, you continue to touch the hearts of every person in this room so that they too can find forgiveness and freedom and continue in the plans that you have set before them. In Jesus' name, we all say amen, amen and amen.